The truth is, we were all sold this great lie that being part of a silent majority was something we should be proud of. Being a silent majority allowed a very loud, angry group of people to control everything. And problem there is, that small group of people, they're communists. I say that myself as someone who's the son of a Cuban refugee who had to flee communism. I know the reality of how important the American dream is. I know how quickly we can lose freedom. And that's why this is our last stand. I'm your host, Robbie Starbuck, and I'm going to be diving deep on the issues and people that matter so that together we can save the American dream and once again become a loud majority that steers the direction of this country. If you're with me and you want to spread truth and wake up the masses, you're in the right place. Together, one piece of truth at a time, we can save America. Hey, everybody, we're going to dive right in. We've got some uh, breaking news today from Ron DeSantis. Um, they're currently having this big meeting, and he just made a big announcement. So let me play it for you all. Be able to get the data whether they want to give it or not, uh, because in Florida, you know, it is against the law to mislead and to misrepresent, particularly when you're talking about the efficacy of a drug. Uh, we see just the other, uh, just recently, Florida got $3.2 billion through legal action against those responsible for the opioid crisis. And so it's not like this is something that's unprecedented. So today, uh, I'm announcing a, a petition with the Supreme Court of Florida to impanel a statewide grand jury to investigate any and all wrongdoing in Florida with respect to COVID-19 vaccines. And we anticipate that we will get the approval for that. Uh, that will be something that will be impaneled, most likely in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, and that will come with legal processes that will be able uh, to get more information and to bring legal accountability for those who committed misconduct. So this is a big deal, obviously, because, you know, nobody's really taken action on a national level to the degree that is necessary to hold these companies accountable. You see, for a long time in America, the norm was people assumed you can hold people accountable for fraud. But politicians really gave a free pass to the pharmaceutical companies above all other companies. And it's something that we really need people to hold accountable. So seeing DeSantis take this action, I think is going to be shocking for a lot of people because this is real action that will have subpoena power and the ability to really dive deep into what these companies knew when they knew it and if they knowingly defrauded people. And I think people know the answer to that question, but to have it you know, go through the court system and be able to, to really get a semblance of justice here and give people an avenue to, to make themselves at least partially whole again is a big deal. And I've noticed that, you know, I think a lot of people are noticing that DeSantis and his wife, they seem determined to get justice for these, you know, vaccine injury victims. And there are quite a lot of them. And I think it's something that, you know, it's interesting. Politicians have almost been trained to ignore because they don't want to face the reality that some of their biggest donors are knowingly injuring people and not being held accountable. And that's something we've got to have more conversation about. But um, it was great, too, to see the Surgeon General of Florida talk about the reality. I'm going to play what he said, that they've found these major heart problems among men. So let's let's show you the clip. Uh, what you found with the data in Florida looking at uh, 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 folks and uh, and the myocarditis. Yeah, it's I mean, it's like how many different ways do you want to say the same thing? So Joe here, Joseph, Dr. Freeman, we've got two Joes here, just shared their study that basically found that the risk with these mRNA COVID-19 vaccines is just 
much higher. It, it's not in the same, same ballpark as any of the other widely used vaccines. And we did a study in Florida where we looked at all-cause mortality and, uh, and cardiac mortality after the COVID-19 vaccines. The study's preliminary. It's not perfect. Most studies aren't perfect. But what was, there are two things that were remarkable. The first thing that was remarkable, of course, was the major finding, which was there was a signal for a markedly increased risk of cardiac death in young men, specifically in that age and sex group. So obviously that's, that's a huge finding. The second thing that was, that was <laughs> remarkable is that scientists, many scientists around the country felt that despite the fact that young men have already been identified as a group that is specifically, especially at risk for myocarditis, it was impossible to find that they, that this same group was at increased risk of cardiac death. The theme is the same. You know, there's, there's what makes sense. And then there's unfortunately what a lot of our health officials and, and unfortunately a lot of my colleagues, a lot of our colleagues are telling the public. So that's what we found in Florida. And we are we are not done, and we're going to make some announcements related to that today. Hopefully, we'll be able to bring you guys some of those other announcements in the next live show in the following days, because this is going on uh, presently. So we've got to pull clips from it. But, I mean, it's stunning to hear Florida Surgeon General come out and be that forthright about the fact that there is a serious problem here. And they're finding it in their studies, and it's something that, you know, um, there's that adage that you could really start calling these conspiracy theories spoiler alerts. And, you know, there's a lot of truth to it. I think the the past year has shown us exactly that. You look back at the things that I was talking about three, four years ago or at the beginning of COVID even. And all this stuff, it's coming out now to be true. You know, same thing in Twitter's case, which is the next story. You know, just to pull this up. Actually, before we get to the Twitter story, I want to show you guys something else. I had a thought over the weekend. You know what's interesting? I was I was thinking about all the people who have told me they regret things about what happened during COVID. And one thing I could not come up with, couldn't think of, was one person who regretted not getting the COVID-19 vaccine. So I posed this question out there. I said, I don't know one unvaccinated person who regrets not getting the COVID vaccine, not one. Can you say the same for the people who got it? It's telling when regret only goes in one direction. Within 45 seconds, this is the entirety of my comments. Um, I regret getting it. I regret getting it. I, regret, I mean, it just, it was regret after regret after regret and people who were injured, unfortunately. And now, if you go look at that thread, it's up on my Twitter page. You will see, I think it's a thousand plus responses at this point, and they're all universal. Same thing. People who got it saying, exactly right. You are exactly right. We don't know of anybody who regrets doing the reverse, but we regret getting it. And I think that regret speaks loudly to people. And that's why I don't feel like I have to say too much. I think that that speaks for itself. Um, and I think it, it can open some eyes. And I saw some people in there who aren't of my political persuasion reading the comments and going, wow, I didn't realize how many people felt this way. It's good for people to see the humanity behind this. And that's why later this week we're going to have a huge episode 
we have soldiers going on the record, showing their faces, active duty, who are unvaccinated, and they were going to be blowing the whistle on exactly what has been going on in our military. It's going to be a big, it's going to be a big show. It's going to be a big show. It's going to be the biggest one we've done. And um, that's saying something because our first episode, just to bring this back, our first episode, a crazy, uh, crazy update over the weekend. Fox News put it on the front page of their website. They covered it on all their shows. Tucker Carlson had Chris on and talked about his interview with me. And uh, this made worldwide news. It was on every news website in the world, linking to the interview. The interview, the two-hour-long interview we did, has now been viewed millions of times on the internet, okay? Incredible. For the first episode of a podcast, it's kind of unbelievable to me. But I, I believe it when I say this week's episode is going to be bigger and more explosive than that story because these men are brave and not only are they coming on, but I spoke with their wives and I spoke with uh, one of their children because I wanted to know the effect the vaccine mandate in the military has had on the entire family. So look out for that this week. And again, you want to help this show grow. You want to get the truth out there. Just share it. You know, this is why I'm not doing a subscriber model. I'm not doing any of that. I'm not going with a network or anything like that. I'm just putting it out there for people. Share it and let people, you know, come in, hear what we have to say and spread the truth because that's how we're going to wake people up. You know, there was a conversation happening this week saying this was Elon Musk speaking and he said, we're either going to be going through a mass awakening event throughout humanity and it's going to be, you know, surrounding truth or we're headed towards civilizational collapse. I believe that's absolutely the case. And here's something from the side that is steering us towards civilizational collapse. So this is a US congressman. Elon Musk tweeted over the weekend, my pronouns are prosecute Fauci, which was amazing because we really do need to prosecute the guy. And this normalizes the problem with Fauci to parts of America who maybe won't listen to me, but will listen to Elon. Anyways, this, this Democrat representative, Dean Phillips, he says, this is America. You can select any pronouns you damn well please. But Anthony Fauci has likely saved. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't. I'm going to try that again. Anthony Fauci has, has likely saved more human lives than any human being on earth. I don't know how you could type this with a straight face. So I said, I don't know what kind of drugs you need to smoke to think Anthony Fauci saved more lives than any other human on the planet, but it needs to be very illegal. Like, I don't know if there's a step above illegal, but that's where we need to put that drug category because you have got to be smoking something. If you think that Anthony Fauci has saved more lives than anybody in human history, if you think that, go talk to some, some people who had AIDS back at the beginning of the AIDS crisis. Okay, go ask them how they feel about Anthony Fauci. Go ask the families who had their parents and children die after a remdesivir treatment. Okay, go talk to the vaccine injured and those who, who can't speak anymore. Talk to their family members for the people who passed away afterward. Talk to these people. Ludicrous. And, and this is somebody the Democrats have lifted up into a position of esteem and said, oh, this should be a powerful person. It's ludicrous. So, you know, I want to kind of talk about the issue surrounding Elon Musk here because there's been a lot of stuff going on this weekend and it's very important. Um, this is a criticism he's been getting. Okay. Um, let's see here. Where is it? We've got these tweets. 
So Scott Kelly, brother of Mark Kelly, said, Elon, please don't mock and promote hate towards already marginalized and at risk of violence members of the LGBTQ plus community. They're more, they're real people with real feelings. Furthermore, Dr. Fauci is a dedicated public servant whose sole motivation was saving lives. Okay, so uh, Elon responded to that and said, I strongly disagree. Forcing your pronouns upon others when they didn't ask and implicitly ostracizing those who don't is neither good nor kind to anyone. He is absolutely correct. As for Fauci, he lied to Congress and funded gain-of-function research that killed millions of people. Not awesome, in my opinion. I responded to that and said, the tide is turning against wokeness because I'm seeing these signs happen. And Elon responded to me saying, many battles remain, but yes, the tide is starting to turn on the mortal threat to civilization that is the woke mind virus. Now, Elon has been getting a lot of pushback for what he's been saying. In fact, over the weekend, he responded to a comment saying that essentially, I wish Elon wouldn't be so political. We think it's hurting his businesses. And it obviously is. Let me pull this up. This is Tesla's stock. Uh, Tesla has now dropped more than 60% in, uh, in stock value over this past year. And most of it was since November. Um, if you look at it since October, November, when really people understood he was going to go through with the Twitter sale. Um, and there was a stock split earlier this year. So as you guys know, I trade quite a bit. So I know a lot about the Tesla stock. Um, I have full disclosure invested in Tesla stock previously, not currently invested, but I do think I will probably be buying in soon here just because I think we're near bottom on this. But um, that's just my personal opinion, not financial advice. And you know, when you look at this, um, he's then admitting some very important things. And this is what's important about this conversation. These are things nobody in the mainstream has been willing to admit. Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch, who does amazing work, said the Twitter files show that Twitter activist employees without basis suppressed and censored the president of the United States. Donald Trump in the days before the 2020 election, this is damning evidence of election interference. And just the very simple fact that Elon Musk responds and says unequivocally, the evidence is clear and voluminous. This is true. OK, that in itself is a very big deal. Somebody with the type he has 133 million followers. OK, and every media outlet in the country covers everything he says for him to normalize this and say, yes, people are not crazy. There was shenanigans played out here. And you know, what I said last week is that it's very clear the intelligence agencies didn't fear the consequences of doing any part of this, because we saw in the Twitter files that they were a part of what was happening, essentially a part of the censorship machine that was built to try to stop him in the election. And so Elon did something else though. He's gone further. Okay. And this is important stuff. He then turned around and before I pull these up, I need to explain who Yoel Roth is. Yoel was the head of Twitter trust and safety. Okay. His job was to make sure that the site was, you know, functioning well and that people were abiding by the terms, so on and so forth. In reality, though, what he really was, was the disinformation czar and really the chief. Honestly, him and, and Vijaya, they acted as the CEOs. Jack didn't do much. Okay. Jack was on vacation all the time. You look at these emails, Jack was always gone. Okay, so Jack Dorsey was useless. I, I really don't care exactly how he was involved because you can see from these emails that he was just MIA all the time. So obviously the man didn't care a CEO, so he's complicit by proxy just by not being an involved CEO. You look at this stuff though, and at the beginning, I think Elon was very smart about this. When he first took over the company, he pretended to 
befriend. And this is my opinion. I think I think this was a ruse. I think he was acting here. He pretended to befriend Yoel. And in doing so, really dug deep on a lot of the things internally of what was going on and accessing the things necessary that he wanted to access. And then he dumped Yoel and Yoel was gone very quickly um, toward the end of December or the end of November, excuse me. And so he called out something very important this weekend about Yoel. Old tweets of Yoel were unearthed where he said, can high school students ever meaningfully consent to sex with their teachers? And Elon said, this explains a lot. He didn't stop there, though. Elon then tweeted, it looks like Yoel is arguing in favor of children being able to access adult internet services in his PhD thesis. And he's correct. In that PhD thesis, he was arguing for minors to be able to go on the gay dating app Grinder, where there is nude images on a regular basis. Okay. Um, he's aware of this. And when you look into this guy's history, this is very questionable stuff. Normal people don't ask these questions. Normal people aren't trying to push the boundaries of the age of consent. Normal people are not wondering how you give minors access to nude images. And it starts to make a lot of sense why Twitter was so bad at policing all of the child sexual abuse material that was on the website. I can tell you myself, okay, my wife and I made multiple reports against child sexual abuse material to Twitter. Twitter did nothing. And I ended up having to go directly to a member of the comms department at Twitter. The only reason I was able to get action taken against it is because me and my wife did not stop hounding them, okay? Every other wall was a brick wall that we hit at Twitter. Nobody wanted to do their job. And it makes sense now why they didn't wanna do their job. This guy was the head of the snake. And I think that's exactly what he's proven to be, a snake. And so Elon's been talking about this mind virus. He says the woke mind virus has thoroughly penetrated entertainment and is pushing civilization towards suicide. There needs to be a counter narrative. And so this is something I've talked about for a long time before Elon ever talked about this stuff, but I think it's important it's coming to the forefront of conversation. I said the woke mind virus has been imposed on us by the left as the most oppressive of social laws. One that will silence you and steal everything you love if you offend it. The antidote to this virus is truth. There was a quote our founders loved, uh, when tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. Truth is the modern day rebellion. It's not muskets. It's not the same way our founders fought. The truth in this new battlefield, and it's an information war, the truth is our weapon. And it's the strongest weapon we're going to have. Because this war we're in, and I truly, I, I, I would... I would characterize what we're going through as World War III. It's just modern warfare. And this is all about intelligence. This is all about information. This is all about the truth. Are we going to live in a post-truth society controlled by communists? Or are we going to live in a society that rejects wokeism, that rejects this mind virus, that rejects the communist ideals of places like the World Economic Forum? Okay, which, you know, I posted something on Instagram this weekend. It's hilarious. I posted this video. From Maria Bartolomo on Fox, she did this segment on the WEF wanting to have people no longer have ownership of cars. It took a couple hours for Instagram to put a fact check on it and try to hide it from people and say, you click the fact check, you go into it. They admit, okay, yeah, the WEF does want people to stop driving cars, but they didn't say no ownership. 
Okay. They don't want, they, they didn't say they don't want you to own it. It was very clear what they, they're just parsing through the words to try to create a fiction so they can slap the label on it. When in reality, exactly what was said in the interview, if you actually watch it, is exactly what the WEF is saying and is leading us toward this future where the WEF and their cohorts across the world, they believe in a globalist future where you will own nothing and be happy about it. Or at least they'll make you look like you're happy, okay, if you want to have a good social credit score. And so I think it's important that we, we frame what's happening in the right context. Here's the deal. Elon's a billionaire, okay? He is no longer the richest man on earth as of this weekend, which again, we have to be realistic about the fact that he is taking a hit for what he's doing, okay? He's taking real hits. He's losing real money. I saw today that SpaceX is actually going to sell off some of their private company, but they're going to be selling off some of their private shares. Um, he is really giving up pieces of his wealth that are that are really critical to his long-term ability to carry out all of his plans he wants to do, such as colonizing Mars. He's taking a big risk with what he's doing with Twitter, but in doing so, he's acknowledged that this is a civilizational fight. Okay, we will not survive as a civilization if we do not break and destroy this woke mind virus. And it's going to happen by ending the silent majority. I've talked about it many times before, but the silent majority, to reiterate, is the most dangerous thing we have ever been sold in the past 20 years. It's convinced people to be silent, that it's safe to be silent. And the truth is, when you're silent, you allow a very small group of radicals to control everything. And that's how we ended up in a place like today, where what we see going on in school shouldn't surprise us, which we're going to get to later. I have some crazy stuff to show you there. But before we do, let's jump to this. Sam Bankman-Fried has finally been arrested in the Bahamas in preparation for an extradition to the United States to face charges from the DOJ. This is the statement from the Attorney General of the Bahamas, essentially saying they made the arrest at the request of the U.S. and that they're uh, intending to extradite Sam Bankman-Fried. Now, there's more news here. Um, oops, sorry, more news here. And it's that there's also campaign finance violations that are going to be announced. So we'll wait to see exactly which ones those are. But there may be an angle of this story that gets even further political, because obviously he's a Democrat mega donor and also worked with some rhinos. I'm curious to see exactly what angle that takes with the campaign finance violations. I do think it's suspect they arrested him the day before he was supposed to testify in front of Congress. So I wouldn't be surprised if they turned Sam Bankman-Fried into some sort of asset because there was a lot of funny business going on behind the scenes here. And we're finding out more and more every day that there were things very clearly designed. And I mean, I'm just going to be real with you. It looked like money laundering is going on behind the scenes here. Okay. They had a text group called Wire Fraud that he was a part of with three other top members of FTX. And it looks a whole lot like there was very blatant money laundering and wire fraud going on, okay? And I don't think they could have been more blatant about it, which is why I think the US couldn't avoid but to arrest him. I wouldn't be surprised he cuts a deal though and uh, turns for the government to give them information on other people. That wouldn't surprise me the least bit because his family is a part of this global elite. If you look into it, they're very, very, very connected. And they've worked ex extensively with major members in the Democratic Party like Elizabeth Warren. So it shouldn't surprise anybody. But speaking of uh, Democrats who are really out of control, you may recognize this fellow, Sam Brinton. Um, he is the kink teaching 
crazy. I mean, I don't even know how to describe this guy. It's let's take a look at what happened to him. Sam Brinton, Biden's non-binary nuclear waste guru, has been fired after stealing luggage from two airports. If only there had been some warning signs, because this guy, to me, I mean, he looks perfectly well adjusted, right? I would have never thought there would be any problem with a guy who looks like that. This is his second theft from airports, okay, where he's stealing bags. This time, I think there's some jewelry involved. But this is the thing with, with the Democrats. They don't care to actually function within reality. This guy will be memory hold immediately, and they'll bring in some new non-binary character because it's all about normalization two inches at a time. And then eventually you realize you've been pushed 20 feet, and then eventually you realize you've been pushed 200 feet. And it was those inches at a time that took away the fabric of America. You know, I posted a really interesting thread this weekend where I asked people, who are the three people you consider the most responsible for the destruction of American values and the destruction of our society at large? And if you go back and read it, there's thousands of responses now. And the truth is they were all right. It's a combination of many different people and institutions who all collectively work together in ways that Sam Brinton is actually effectively a part of now, okay? Because as much as he'll get memory hold and the media will forget about him, your collective consciousness will not in the world, okay? We normalized this guy being put in a position of esteem, being treated as if he was a hero, being treated as if this is normal and okay in a functioning society, behaving as if this was something other than a man in a dress. This is what happens when you do that. You start to chip away and destroy society. And that's why we are where we are. And frankly, it's a reluctance to tell the truth that's gotten us here. I know YouTube's not going to be happy about what I'm saying, and maybe I'll get a strike again, okay? If I do and YouTube pulls me down, I'm happy to just go on Rumble because I'm going to tell the truth. That's what he is, period. And I think the more we start telling that truth, and end the fear of what's led us into silence, that's when we're gonna end up saving this country, saving this world really, because as America goes, the world goes. And that's why this wokeness is starting to infect every country on the planet. And eventually it'll become insurvivable. It will lead to war. Um, you know, when you look at the media, the media is shameless. And to give you the latest example, you may remember this story, okay? There was a big meeting, in Virginia, where parents at a school board were very upset that there was a sexual assault at a school. It was a boy saying he was a girl, okay? And this boy went into the girl's bathroom and he sexually assaulted a girl, exactly like we've warned about, okay? And the media denied it. This was one of the headlines from the New York Times, the right's big lie about a sexual assault in Virginia. Well, let's take a look at what happened. Today, this is a headline from Daily Wire. The Loudoun County superintendent spokesman criminally indicted following rape cover-up. They tried to cover up the rape of a child because it was inconvenient to the trans agenda. Think about that. How many other places in the country is this happening? How often is it happening? How many schools are letting boys into girls' bathrooms or into girls' locker rooms? And here's the truth. Too many to count too many to report. In fact, they don't even have to report it. They don't have to tell us how many boys they're letting into the girls' bathroom. I think parents have a right to know that. And to drive this, this point further, this is 
what else we have going on in our schools. This is in Oregon, okay? This document from Oregon is asking kids, what is their gender identity? Lists all these crazy options. Then asks them if they identify as Native American or Pacific Islander, okay? First of all, you can't identify as a Native American, or I'm sorry, a Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander. You either are a Native Hawaiian or a Pacific Islander. I mean, that's, you can't just imagine, are we back to the Rachel Dolezal thing where you can be transracial? This is all ludicrous. But then they ask, are you transgender? They go on to ask, what is your sexual orientation? Lesbian, gay, straight, bi, pan, asexual, aromantic, queer, something else fits better, please list here. I'm not sure of my sexual orientation. I don't know what this question is asking me. I prefer not to answer. No child should be asked about their sexual orientation at school. No child should be asked about their gender identity at school. No child should be thinking about any of this at school. And herein lies the problem. We have a generation of activist teachers. And I'm gonna give you an example of this. So this is a teacher I'm about to show you a video of. This teacher hosts a GSA club during instruction time to keep it discreet from the parents, AKA keep it a secret from the parents. She does this with the full support of the administration at Glasgow High School, okay? This is right here in the United States. So let's take a look at this teacher. So I run the pride club at my school um, and I'm having kind of an issue with uh, another teacher in the school building right now. I have a couple kids who have come to me and told me that she has called them out in the middle of class for being gay. She said some pretty terrible things about me um, and the club, uh, telling kids that she thinks it's stupid and a waste of time and, you know, we're pulling kids out of her class, which technically, yes, you know, we are pulling kids out of the class. Um, but it's only for 30 minutes a week and it's on Mondays. So the last like 30 minutes of first period, the kids come to me. Um, I understand that, you know, the kids are coming to my class during another class period. Um, I have okayed this with my administration, with my principal, my admin, all that, uh, because the kids told me straight up, they were like, we don't want to have it after school just in case because some of their parents don't know. Um, it would make them feel more comfortable to just, you know, do it at school. That way it's a little more, you know, discreet. So it is completely okay with my admin that I am running this club during school hours. And again, it's only 30 minutes a week. Um, however, this teacher is now crossing a line. Um, she is calling out my kids. She is saying extremely homophobic things. Um, she's bashing the community and the club itself. Um, and I'm kind of fed up with it. She literally came to my class and went through every name in her roster to try and get me to out, um, the kids to her. So she knew who was, uh, you know, not straight. Um, so that way, you know, she'd have that information, which I did not give her. I would not give her that. I don't really care if she doesn't like me. Whatever. Not my business. I don't particularly care if she doesn't like when the club happens because that's not her business either since I okayed it with my admin. But what we're not going to do, we're not going to talk bad about my kids. They have a hard enough time as it is. They do not need this teacher messing with them, being homophobic, transphobic, saying things that she shouldn't. Um, so now I'm pissed off. And she will now have to deal with me because I will be taking her to admin.
So, I'm not happy about this. You are not going to drag my kids like this. Not happening. Welcome to the woke mind virus. This is what is infecting our schools. She is not alone. In fact, I'm going to play you another example of this. But first, let's talk about grooming. What she's doing is textbook grooming. Anytime an adult is trying to get a child to talk about sexuality, sex, orientation, their gender identity, or any of these subjects at all, under the auspices that they're going to keep it a secret from your parents, they are a groomer. And this specific groomer needs some grooming as well, because I, I, I have to say there's a common thread here, okay, where I see a lot of these groomers are very unkempt. To be really frank with you, they're slobs. And in my experience, slobs are very unhappy people. It's just my opinion, okay? Um, and I would encourage her to start by caring for herself, okay? Get yourself into tip-top shape where you're feeling good and you're taking care of yourself. When you do that, maybe your mind will start to work a little bit better and you'll be able to parse through some of these issues you have. First of all, just in case you ever watch this, you're using children to validate your identity. Not only are you using those kids to validate your identity, you're trying to use them to fill the hole in your heart that you have that's created by your own issues, your own need for some sort of maternal role in life. That's why you call them my kids. They're not your kids. They never were. They never will be. They are not your children. You did not birth them. You did not grow them in your, in, in your uterus. You had no part in their entrance to the world and you will have no part in their exit except for the poison you're putting in their mind. This needs to end this idea that when you send a child to school, they're suddenly the teacher's children. Now see, Good teachers who have their own children, you know the difference. You have your own kids. Your relationship with them is very different. God made you their chief teacher in life. But when you don't have any kids, you don't understand how offensive it is to claim that these are your children. They are not. They are not your property. They're not the state's property. They never will be. And parents, if you hear a teacher refer to all of the students as their kids, politely correct them. And if they continue to do it, I would consider taking your kid out of the class. If you, in fact, ever show up to a school and the teacher behaves like this, talks like this, even gives you a hint of it, do whatever you have to do to get your children as far away as you possibly can from these people. They will work overtime to destroy the minds of your children, period. Don't believe me that she is not alone. Here's teacher number two. I have a thought. Now, I know the trolls are going to be like, uh oh, she should have stopped there, but I'm not going to do that. So there's a lot of controversy about um, whether or not sex education, health education, relationships, gender, all that stuff should be taught in the classroom. Here's what I think. You, you as in parents, send their kids to school to learn math, reading, writing, history, science from a professional, right? But in the same token, a lot of people who do that also think that they're experts in sexuality education because they've had kids. With all due respect, just because you've had kids does not mean that you are a sexuality education expert. It does not mean you are an expert in sex. It does not mean you are an expert in the body. It does not mean you are an expert in gender. It does not mean you are an expert in relationships. So the same way that we're sending our kids to school to learn these skills, these life skills like math and quadratic equations and calculus and whatever else from a professional, 
We also need to be ensuring that our students are learning information about their health, about identity, about very complex issues from a professional. She must be professionally irritating because she's doing a great job. She must be an expert in that. And here's the truth. This is why last week I went in on these people who are suddenly just so in love with the idea of only listening to experts for everything. And I was very clear about the fact I graduated very early. I did fantastic in school. I had a really easy pathway in that regard. I just, it was something I was really just very easily good at. Okay. And what I learned going to school with some of these people who are very intelligent was that they might be book smart intelligent, but they are not the smartest people I know. And it's not even close. The people who are the smartest people I know tend to work with their hands. They're people like farmers. They're people who are welders, people like that. They're ingenious. They're creative. They think outside the box. They're divergent in many ways. They're not just good at one thing. They're good at many things. And it's part of that creativity they have and the fact that their mind is sort of an engineering mind. And so they never really give up on anything and they never say, oh, well, that's a box I can't handle. They're able to take on any problem. Whereas these overeducated, overgrown babies that we're calling adults now who are infected by the woke mind virus, they all point to the need for these experts. And what exactly makes them an expert? A piece of paper from a college where they were taught by some communist who couldn't get a job anywhere else. So they became a professor. That's really what we're talking about here. That makes you no more of an expert than if I write a diploma on a piece of toilet paper and hand it to you. That's what it's worth now to me. And it's kind of sad because I think when we were younger, we were sold this idea that these experts really had our best interests at heart. And I think that maybe for a time that was true, but it's no longer true. You look out at the world, there's very few of them who are being vocal who you can say that about. The vast majority who are being popularized through media and who are very vocal they are infected by this woke mind virus. You know, and they're not alone in this field of experts. It also happens in the media and in entertainment. In fact, I've noticed it with Twitter recently. On Twitter, I don't know if you've noticed the number of celebrities who are feeling the need to make an announcement about their exit, but it's kind of weird. Why do you need to tell us you're leaving? Just go. If you want to leave Twitter because you're so afraid of other opinions being allowed and people having free speech, then just go. You don't need to make an announcement. And that's why I thought this video was hilarious. This lady, um, her name I believe is Conservative Mama. Um, I'll correct myself at the end if I'm wrong. She made this video and I thought it was hilarious. I was laughing last night. I had to record it and bring it on here and uh, wanna give her credit. She's she's hilarious. So check this hey, out. Hey guys, um, I'm like super famous. Obviously you guys all know who I am. I'm really popular, I'm rich and I'm famous. And I have something really important that I need to announce and it's just so hard to do this. But I just, I have a huge announcement. I need everyone to look at me, like everybody. I need all of your attention. Hello, excuse me, I'm over here. <laughs> I'm famous and I'm awesome. So look at me, please, I have an announcement. Okay, are you guys listening? Because this is like a big deal, because I'm, because I'm famous, <laughs> okay? I really need you guys to like focus on me for a second, okay? I need, like, hello, just look right here. I've got a huge uh, announcement, it's a big deal. Okay, here it is, are you guys ready? I am leaving Twitter. <laughs> I know, I know, don't like, don't cry about it. Like I, I would hug you if I could, but I really wouldn't ever hug any of you. Um, but I'm leaving Twitter and it's so hard to say this because Twitter has been like family to me, even though if I saw any of you like in real life, I would totally ignore you, <laughs> but I'm leaving.
I heard that there's like so much misinformation and I don't know who she is, but I know there's a lot of her around and I heard that she's like super scary and it's really, really bad, you guys. And like this platform, it used to be like just like one group of people talking and I liked those people and now there's like other people talking. I just don't want all of these people talking. Like, I mean, who are you? Like, you shouldn't be able to talk. Like, shut your face, right? So I just can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm leaving, guys. I'm leaving. I know you're going to miss me. <laughs> like, I hope you guys understand what this means. It's a big deal because I'm famous. I mean, I'm leaving Twitter, but like in a little bit. Like, not like right now because I have to read your comments. And I love to read the comments that are like, no, don't go, famous person. We love you so much. And I'm like, I know. So I'm going to stick around and read the comments and then I might go. We'll just see how this goes, guys. So, goodbye. Kind of. <laughs> so that was conservative mama. I thought that was hilarious. Um, and, you know, it's kind of true. So as a lot of you know, I was a director in Hollywood. I directed people like Natalie Portman, Megan Fox, a bunch of the biggest music stars. And let me tell you, she nailed it on the way celebrities actually feel about their fans. Okay. The way she was like, I would hug you, but I really don't want to touch any of you. That's exactly how these people are. They, they believe they're so far above the rest of society. It's almost, it's comical. It really is. And she, I mean, when I say she nailed it, she nailed it. This is exactly how these people operate and how they think. They think they are so important. They think they are God's gift to us. Okay. And that we're all just going to evaporate into nothingness if we're left without their presence. I have never been happier than getting rid of our TV. Okay. We don't have cable. I don't watch any of these people's shows. I don't watch their movies and I've never been happier. I don't want to engage with their content. The only content I'll engage with now are by free thinking people who are not afraid to be themselves, who are not subscribed to this woke mind virus. And that's honestly all I can encourage people to do is divorce yourself from the celebrity system. These people are nothing more than modern false, false idols. That's exactly what they are. And even if you're not Christian, you know exactly what I mean. Okay. These people think they're gods. They're not. Okay. They're not even close to a God. Not close. And so we've got to stop treating them like what they say is important. When people have something important to say, it can be anybody. You'll notice that what they're saying is important. They don't need a status. They don't need a check mark. They don't need some sort of validator of how important they are for their words to matter. Your words matter. When people have something important to say, like I said, you'll know it. And the truth has a way of vindicating itself. So even if people treat that person like they're crazy, the way the media is treating Elon Musk right now, I mean, they're currently hyperventilating because he tweeted, follow the white rabbit, which is a joke related to a Monty Python skit. But they said, no, no, this is related to QAnon. He's trying to tell people to go follow QAnon. I mean, these people could not be further gone. They're losing their minds. And the sooner we all come to terms with that, the better, because the sooner we divorce ourselves from this system, the sooner their legacy and their mainstream go away. They'll no longer be the, the, the legacy media. They'll no longer be the mainstream media. They'll be the jokes that they are. And that's why, again, on content, I'm only consuming content from creators who are normal people, who are telling the truth. The, the, the one exception to this on network TV is I watch Tucker. Tucker's incredible. You know, Tucker watched our first episode with Chris Beck, had Chris Beck on his show last night, and exposed to America, again, the story we were trying to tell. 
and he's telling the truth to people. He's the one exception to that rule I have where I'll go on Fox and I'll watch his his show, not on TV, but on, on my computer or on my iPad, and it's worthwhile. I did miss one thing I've got to bring back up about FTX. So they had this hearing today, and I thought this was hilarious. Um, did you know FTX was using QuickBooks? Okay, nothing wrong with QuickBooks, but but watch this clip, okay? Please elaborate on some of the specific ways FTX is worse than one of the largest corporate frauds in history. The, the FTX group is unusual in the sense that, you know, I've done probably a, a dozen large, you know, scale bankruptcies over my career, including Enron, of course. Uh, every one of those entities had some financial problem or another. Uh, they have some characteristics that are in common. Uh, this one is unusual, and it's unusual in the sense that literally, you know, there's no record keeping whatsoever. It's the absence of record keeping. Employees would communicate, you know, invoicing and expenses on, on Slack, which is, you know, essentially a, uh, you know, a way of communicating mm -hmm. for chat rooms. Uh, they use QuickBooks, a multi-billion dollar company using QuickBooks. QuickBooks? QuickBooks. Uh, nothing against Okay, so the guy you just, I'm sorry, the way she said QuickBooks was hilarious. Um, the guy you just watched, Mr. Ray, just to give some context, he helped wind down Enron's scandal. So he was installed to basically, you know, get everything squared up. And that's basically what he does. He, he goes into a company after they've screwed up and helps get the pieces put back together. So he was brought into FTX after this whole disaster. So don't put any hate on him. But um, he's he's trying to pick up the pieces of what's going on there and try to make everybody whole again. But I thought it was really remarkable. Anybody who's used QuickBooks, I mean, QuickBooks is fine for your personal, you know, record keeping and for maybe a small business. You cannot even fathom running a multi-billion dollar business off of QuickBooks. The, this is like the most ludicrous and it speaks to the level of record keeping they felt was necessary or appropriate, which again goes back to my original point that I can't imagine they weren't money laundering here because what would be a better excuse for bad records than, oh, we were using QuickBooks and we had some problems here, we had some problems there. I mean, it's just, it's so ludicrous. You really, you can't make this stuff up. Um, I want to play you another video. This is off political topic, but it's something I felt like was um, important. Actually, you know what, before we get to the video, we need a good news break. I want to show you some good news. This is from the Dickens Christmas uh, event in Franklin, Tennessee. We go every year. It's so much fun. So if you love the the Charles Dickens uh, stuff, it's it's amazing. They have all these Dickens characters. But Coco, our youngest daughter, she got to hang out and meet Santa. And I thought maybe a cute picture would brighten all your days. Um, another thing that that happened that's sort of breaking news today is Mike Leach, uh, famous college football coach. He sadly passed away after a major heart attack. I always was really entertained by this guy. Um, he just was, he, he was a free thinker. He was hilarious. And I just wanted to play a clip in his honor, uh, really, and just show the type of personalities that make the world great. Because people like this with, with just a ton of personality, they make life worth living. They make it interesting. They make it fun. So this is my- The theme. women lose their mind. Your fiance's gonna lose her mind. Your mother-in-law is going to lose her mind. Your mom is going to lose her mind. Several of your sisters and uh, female relatives are going to lose their mind. And um, 
and that you, they're gonna they're gonna barrage you with constant questions. What should we wear? And then, uh, which of course my answer was, I don't care. And then, uh, what color should the invitations be? I don't care. Uh, what should we have for dessert? I don't care. Should we seat this this way or th that that way? I don't care. But see, I don't care is not satisfactory at all. And you're going to get caught in a catch-22, and I'm certain that you already have. And that catch-22 is, well, I want you to be a part of this too. Uh, so what color invitations? Um, all right, the blue ones. Well, I kind of like uh, I kind of like the tan ones. Okay, the tan ones then. Oh, you're just saying that because uh, 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 you want this over. Well, you're not even thinking about it, which is of course true. Uh, what do you want for dessert? I was thinking of strawberry shortcake. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, strawberry shortcake would be good. Well, what about the blueberry pie? Well, I like the blueberry pie. We could have the blueberry pie. Well, I thought you said you wanted the strawberry shortcake. And it's just going to go back and forth, and they're going to play keep away from you until uh, after you're married. There's no answer you can give that is going to be satisfactory or correct. And if you successfully uh, please a few of them, the others will still be, oh, well, I just don't feel like he's that interested. Yeah, okay, so, so you need to work late. Uh, go in the back room and read a lot of books. Uh, take the groomsmen out so you make sure that they march in just right and they know exactly, you know, these swell outfits that you picked out or whatever, however you're doing it. Um, and in the end, you'll wish you eloped. Uh, you need to find um, excuses uh, that they'll buy uh, to be as far out of harm's way as you possibly can. <laughs> That's Coach Mike, Mike Leach in a nutshell. Hilarious. That's his take on weddings uh, when he was asked about it by a reporter. The guy was just hilarious. He could make anything into a joke. He could make anything laugh. He made everybody, he made everybody have a big smile on their face. And I think people like that are really special. So the world is, is a little less happy without him in it. And I just, uh, prayers up to his family. But I wanted to play a little clip to, to really give some credit to a man who made a lot of people very happy in his life. Um, back to the news. You know, I'm a big fan of knowing who people are. And I missed this. I missed this clip earlier this year and somebody sent it to me today and I felt like it's something people need to know, um, especially given the leadership stuff going on right now. So this is a clip from Kevin McCarthy talking about a Republican member of Congress and asking why they can't have their Twitter account taken away. So he was essentially, you know, pushing for some kind of censorship of, of an account. And it says a lot that Rachel Maddow played this clip. And sounds like she's in agreement with him. So just take a look. Alabama, Barry Moore has said some some things today, even that we should look at. Honestly, what did Barry say today? All right. So he deleted his personal Twitter account, but Jamie Dupree with the Atlanta Journal um, got screenshot. Um, he said about 22 hours ago. Wow, we have more arrests for stealing a podium on January 6th than we do for stealing an election on November the 3rd. Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Detroit would be places I recommend you start. There's video evidence of these crimes as well. Hashtag election integrity matters. And then um, Moore also made this tweet on Saturday night as the U.S. Capitol Police officer who shot and killed a woman as he tried to get into the lobby. So he tweeted at Marjorie Green and at Nayroll. I understand it was a black police officer that shot the white female veteran. You know, that doesn't fit the narrative. What? Oh. 
Can't they take their Twitter accounts away too? Well, now you know what you're dealing with. I think it's good for people to know who people are. And now you have a little more information about who Kevin McCarthy is. You can make your own judgments on that. Um, we've got some other stories here. You want to get into some of the crazy. This is what's currently going on around the world. We've got a Norwegian woman facing criminal charges for stating that men cannot be lesbians. Uh, excuse the pronunciation here. I'm not familiar with how Norwegians pronounce their names, but I think this is Tanya uh, Jevin is the second woman in the country to be investigated for criminal transphobia in 2022. She faces a potential prison sentence of three years. This is her. Um, so she's saying men are men. That's essentially what she's in trouble for is stating a fact. And this is why it is so critical to defeat the woke mind virus. Because if we don't, this is what's coming for America. You won't be able to say men are men without facing criminal charges. I want you guys to think about that. What's next? What is the next fact you will not be allowed to say? Because maybe this one doesn't bother you. Maybe you're like, hey, you know what? I don't care. Not my issue. Not that important to me. Well, what, what fact is important to you? Because whatever fact that is, imagine that's what's coming next, because it just might be that. And imagine if you said it, if you stated it unequivocally and refused to kneel at the altar of wokeism, that you'd face criminal charges. Think about how dangerous this world is if that's the direction we allow it to go. And that's why I won't stop speaking out about this stuff. You know, here's another piece of the woke mind virus. On Hannity, Dr. Ben Carson weighs in on the state of U.S. education after a Detroit school board voted to remove his name from its high school because of his time in the Trump administration. I thought this commentary hit it perfectly. So this young lady or young woman, she said, so the black American neurosurgeon who performed the first successful separation of conjoined twins that were attached at the back of the head he has his name removed from a predominantly black school because dot, 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 you don't like his politics? Think about how crazy. I mean, we are on the crazy train. The question is, who is going to pull the emergency brake? And so you might not fully trust Elon Musk. To be honest with you, I don't either. I'm not sure what his endgame is. But I appreciate that he's pulling the emergency brake. And until he shows us otherwise, I'll remain appreciative and supportive of what he's doing because this is a critical moment. And I don't think enough people really understand just how critical it is. We are in an information war and we just got one of the best fighters in that war on our side. So try to keep it all in perspective. Here's another piece of this story that we've got to talk about. This is part of the woke mind virus. The border surge has already begun. After Title 42 ended, more than 5,000 illegal migrants crossed over the weekend. Title 42 is ending in eight days, and America is preparing for an influx of 6 million a year. Think about that, 6 million people. And to be honest, they might be undershooting it. It'll be the most ever, not even close, 
Title 42 ending essentially is going to mean we have a completely open border. We had a soft border. Now we're headed toward a completely open border. Think about this reality. Six million people a year. You're adding three major cities a year of illegal immigrants who will rely on public transportation. They will rely on our hospitals. They will rely on medical care. They will rely on our public schools. They will be a net drain on the system. Now, listen, I'm Latino, okay? I want to tell you right now, you have permission to be angry about this. It is not racist to call for your government to protect your sovereignty. It is not racist to call for your government to enforce its borders. And in fact, today, I am calling on Governor Abbott specifically. You are safe. You are elected. You were just elected. I need you to stand up and deploy the largest state enforcement in American history to protect our border. You need to go and activate every piece of law enforcement that you possibly can. Send them to the border and you need to enforce it. Dare the federal government to stop you. Make the federal government create the headline that they are preventing a state from protecting its citizens. Use every resource possible. Do it in such a shock and awe manner that it puts fear in the hearts of cartels so that they question, should we do this again? Should we try to traffic fentanyl across the border? Should we continue to human traffic? Or is the cost too high? Can we profit to the degree we could before? Make them ask these questions to themselves. It needs to be quick, it needs to be fast, it needs to be strong. And if you don't do it, you're failing America, you're failing Texas, you are failing everybody that you can possibly fail. Because our border is not gonna be protected by the federal government. That's been very clear. Joe Biden, we already know is a failure. So don't play the politics game where you go in and blame the federal government, blame Joe Biden. We already know they're a failure. But are you a failure? Where is our Republican leadership to say, we're not going to allow 6 million people to break into our country, period. Take this all the way to the Supreme Court, do what you got to do. But we are sending every piece of law enforcement we have to the border and we're going to protect this state. We're going to protect this country. That's what needs to happen. That is the truth. This can't just be a game of politics. America can't afford it. Our children don't deserve it. They deserve better than this. And frankly, those migrants, they're being lied to. They are not coming solely of their own volition. This is a group of people who have been told consistently by the Democratic Party that they are going to be receiving all these benefits. Everybody's going to welcome you. Free health care, free this, free that. What do you expect when you do that? Of course they're going to come. Their government's not giving them all this stuff for free. Why wouldn't they come? They'd be stupid not to. And that's what has to change, the incentives, the messaging. Republicans have been too scared of their shadow for too long. It's time to step out of the shadow, show strength, and stand up for the people. Stand up for the country. So, Governor Abbott... Do your job. Stand up for our people. Stand up for the border. It is not racist to protect your country. Because this 
this is what is happening. Cause of death. Washington faltered as fentanyl gripped America. This is a, I, I never show Washington Post. This is a great story. During the Obama administration, amid a wider questioning of the U.S. criminal justice system, the government defunded and dismantled key drug monitoring programs in the years before fentanyl hit. President Barack Obama demoted the White House drug czar position, moving the role from the cabinet. When President Richard Nixon launched America's first war on drugs 51 years ago, the annual overdose deaths number was 6,771. Okay, that was per year, 6,800, let's say. We'll round up. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is unable to track overdose deaths in real time. It's published data is one year behind, obscuring the picture of what's actually happening on the ground in 2022. The agency continues to count the death toll for 2021. But in a provisional tally seven months ago, it calculated the overall number of drug overdoses at 107,622. Okay? We're talking about a 100,000 more people dying now than when Nixon was president from drug overdoses. From 2019 to 2021, fatal drug overdoses surged 94%, and an estimated 196 Americans are now dying each day from the drug the equivalent of a fully loaded Boeing 757 crashing and killing everyone on board. Presidents from both parties have failed, blah, blah, blah. They go on. Fentanyl is now the leading cause of death for Americans ages 18 to 49. The amount of fentanyl seized along the U.S. southern border, and this is a very important point, okay? Very important. The amount of fentanyl seized along the U.S. southern border, the most reliable gauge of supply, has jumped ninefold during the past five years. Since July, border seizures of fentanyl have averaged 2,200 pounds a month, meaning the U.S. authorities are confiscating more, more fentanyl in a single month than they did during all of 2018. Let me say that again. U.S. authorities are confiscating more fentanyl in a single month than they did during all of 2018. Federal officials estimate they're capturing 5 to 10% of the fentanyl crossing from Mexico, but they acknowledge it could be even less. I want you to think about that. They're guesstimating that they're only seizing 5 to 10%, and they're saying it actually could be less than that. Yet they've seized more in one month right now than they did in all of 2018. This is ramping up faster and quicker and worse than you can imagine. So when you hear Democrats go, Oh, well, it's a good thing that they seized all that fentanyl. No, it's not. It's a reflection of the weak border policies. It's not that they're seizing all the fentanyl coming across. It's that more is being sent across than ever in history, and it's not even close. Because when you have an open border, you have an open crime tunnel. You have an open crime network. You have an open human trafficking network. They work unobstructed. Very few are actually held accountable. And this is what happens. 100,000 Americans dying per year, almost 110,000, probably more this year. That was last year's number. This year, when they go to counting it, I wouldn't be surprised if we near 200,000. The lockdown policies made this worse. People turned to drugs. They turned to all kinds of things they shouldn't turn to because the government's policies destroyed their lives. And again, it's government failure that access is even available, that you're able to access these drugs as easily as you can. And it's a reflection on our border policies. 
And frankly, you know, Washington Post wasn't lying when they said this is happening, you know, not just now. This was also occurring and ramping up when Trump was president. I'm going to pull this up when they said, you know, this was this was going on during both. And the reason why is the Democrats were preventing in Congress, they were preventing President Trump from being able to actually enforce our border policies to the degree we needed to. And as a result, cartels were able to continue to carry out unobstructed, almost unobstructed, their entire criminal plot. I mean, it, it, there was very little standing in the way. And that's just the truth about it. A lot of people don't want to acknowledge the truth, but it's worse now than ever before. So if people like Governor Abbott don't stand up and act, they've failed. I don't care how well you do on every other front. You are the chief of that state. You are the head of Texas. Your job is to protect not just Texas, but honestly, you have a duty to protect America. Texas has a long history of acting as this buffer to protect America from Central America and from Mexico and anything going on there that wants to bring itself into America that could harm America. It is your job to step up. Voters hired you to step up. It was very clear in the elections that Texas voters and voters all across America are concerned about immigration, specifically illegal immigration. And so acting now is of paramount importance. Now I wanna bring up a couple other things. I posted this this week. Davos is a crime scene. The UN is a crime scene. Big tech is a crime scene. The World Economic Forum is a crime scene. The CDC, Big Pharma, Washington, D.C., the legacy media, three-letter agencies, and they all have one fear in common, the truth. The more we speak it, the less power they have. It is our duty to speak it and speak it loudly. And that's my challenge to you this week, is speak the truth and speak it loudly. Don't be afraid. And even if you feel afraid, have those uncomfortable conversations. Tell the truth. Maybe if you want to start with a baby step, share this show. Share it on your page. Tell your friends to listen. There's interesting, interesting commentary, interesting news. Maybe it'll wake them up. Maybe it'll wake that person up who you've been talking to. You feel like if they just had the information, if they weren't being lied to, because we all have a duty to end this woke mind virus. That's why I put all these stories together today, because I think it's a good combination of everything going on in our country in terms of defining the problem. All of this is the result of wokeness. All of this is the same virus. This is the real pandemic. And it's up to us to end it. You want to talk about vaccines? We are the vaccine. The truth that's inside us and our ability to tell it, that is what will end this pandemic. That's what will end the pandemic of wokeism. This is where we are right now. It's one of my favorite things to share. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. We're in the transition period of weak men create hard times and hard times create strong men. We're a little further than this meme suggests because we're, we're leaning into the hard times create strong men territory. And eventually, those strong men will create good times. But the truth is paramount to getting there, to getting back to those good times for our children, our grandchildren. That is our job. And that needs to be our number one concern, is making sure that we stand up to this machine. 
That's the last word. That's the truth. I do want to share a couple of notes with you guys. Number one, big show this week with the unvaccinated soldiers. I'm counting on you guys to get it out there. It is a big deal. These guys have sacrificed. They have risked their lives for this country. They're fighting for our freedom right now by taking the stand they're about to take and putting their faces out there despite being active duty to be whistleblowers against this tyrannical regime and what's going on. So we need you to stand up for them and help spread the truth when that episode comes out this week. Again, sharing the show, spreading the truth, that's how we grow. We're not advertising. We're not doing a big network deal. We're not doing any of that stuff. Straight to the people. No one can control my voice. They can't control what we're talking about. We are going to talk about the things that matter, that people care about, and we're not going to shy away from the truth. The truth is what this is all about. I truly believe, above all else, the truth is what is going to get us through this. And so... If you feel like I do, please stand up. Please be that voice. You guys have done an amazing job spreading the Chris Beck story from our first episode. Like I said, we're at millions of views now. It was front page of Fox News over the weekend. Tucker Carlson covered it last night. Um, I know some other shows have reached out over the past 24 hours trying to, to get permission to use the footage. And we've given that permission to everybody who's asked. And we've pushed CNN to have Chris on as a follow-up. So for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about because you're new here, I'll go ahead and play us out with the trailer from the first episode about Chris Beck, who was a Navy SEAL, 13 tours of duty, one of the most decorated of all time. And he came out as transgender in 2013. He came out and detransitioned on our show in the pre-taped episode, episode one. And it's just an incredible story. So here we go. This trailer ends. We're out. So you may or may not have seen in 2013 an interview with a Navy SEAL, Chris Beck. He came out as a transgender Navy SEAL. But why we're here today is because of everything happening in America with this transition craze that's going on with kids. You have something that you want to tell the world. What is that? Everything you see on CNN with my face, do not even believe a word of it. Everything that happened to me for the last 10 years, they destroyed my life. I destroyed my life. I'm not a victim. I did it to myself, but I had some help. Transgender ideology is, is cultish and it's not science-based at all. They take that desire, that innate human desire to want to change and to want to help people and they use it just like a cult leader would. And the parents are so desperate to fit in with this ideology because of the fear of the us them. They don't want to be othered. So now they're using the children as these trophies of like, look at me, I have a child that I'm accepting of. Thank you all for watching today and we'll be back later this week. See you guys soon. Have a good night.